what time did they get you up in the morning? Dude, we they got us up at like 9.30. And Kennedy comes in and she wishes Nicole a happy birthday before she says a word about Christmas. It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's a good yeah, solo right I mean, there. It was really cool, you know. I mean, one they let us sleep in more importantly, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the fact that they that she recognized it was her mom's birthday for Christmas is just crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. But she's she's a pretty special girl, so unlike her evil sister. Welcome, guys, gals, and all non-binary pals to Couch Co-op, our video game podcast. And um, I'm very excited because this week we're branching off of last week where we covered our best five games of the year. And we really just wanted to delve a little bit more into this year because there's so many cool elements to video games, especially in in modern times, that, that can't really be expressed through just five games that you played so um i invited um these gentlemen to come up with some thoughts of of all the things they did last year and matt was uh kind enough to give me the reins to kind of uh let me go a little off the handle this week uh going going a little bit more ambitious than we typically do but um we discussed our our our, our favorite five games of the year last week and I just want to hear some of the games that did not make your list, but really kind of still stick around in, uh, in your video game hearts. And uh, Matt, why don't I let you uh, start us off and just talk a little bit about some of those really cool experiences you had. Thank you, Jack. Uh, first one, I'd be remiss. It fell to number six on my top five, but the wonderful one one was a fucking fantastic experience for me. Uh, I just loved so much of it. The only reason I think it fell out of the top five was for whatever reason, I think it's so bombastic that it actually reached a point where like, I almost couldn't hold on to some of the memories of it as well as I did with some of these other games I've played. Um, It's it just, I know I enjoyed the experience, but it was such a roller coaster that almost like is a blur to me now in hindsight. So um, but yeah, there were a lot of components of that game that I really loved. There's certainly, like Dave has mentioned, uh, the storyline to that is way deeper than it has any business offering. And uh, yeah, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed that game and certainly is one of the ones I need to mention if we're doing honorable mentions. Well, Dave, you tackled it last week as your um, number four game of the year, three game of the year, but um me and Matt didn't really talk about it much, and oh, um, and and I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you why is I was so frustrated by so many of the mechanics in that game. But what I will say is, when I think back on 2021, it would be a crime to not talk about what fantastic moments that game delivered. Some while while it didn't make my top five, um, the 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 some of the parts in that video game or definitely my top three, as far as when I think back and of how much I enjoyed a couple hours of gameplay. And, uh, 
And yeah, uh, I thought it was a fantastic game. It was my number seven game of the year, despite all the sh- all the anger I had towards uh, trying to figure out how to draw circles on a PlayStation controller pad, which it was not designed to do. Um, and that had a huge reason why uh, why that game probably fell so low, so much lower on my list. Um, yeah, a- a- any other games that really kind of uh, took you by storm la- this year, Matt? That didn't make your top five. Uh, you know, another one I need to mention is Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I enjoyed this game. I just can't elevate it to the same level of some of these other ones. Um, I think it's a fantastic game. Um, but I also think it gets a little repetitive, um, particularly when you get some of the upgrades and um, some of the themes it follows because it pays so much tribute and homage to some of these fan famous cinema and different you know japanese cultural tales that it's almost just kind of the same to me after a while it's like i've seen a majority of that once you kind of get over the initial barbarian horde appearing on the island which is awesome mind you and some of the story beats are fantastic um after that it just kind of falls to pretty common tropes i've seen um in various media throughout the years so because of that, I would say it's it's probably in my top ten, but I it I can't list it again with in the same level that some of these other titles we've discussed. Uh, Celeste, I touched on briefly while discussing Hotline Miami two. I think it's a fantastic title. I'm really glad I played it. I just uh, personally am not the biggest fan of platformers, and so while I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, I got as much as I wanted out of it which is barely scratching the surface of what that game actually offers to really dive into it. And um, really the last one that jumps out to me, uh, Spec Ops The Line um, is a game that I played purely for the storyline. I know I mentioned it to you guys in the past, a really dark uh, scene with the white phosphorus, but that's how I found out about this game and playing through it, even though the Call of Duty series and the campaign modes have touched on trying to like convey some of the emotional carnage of war and whatnot this one just the way it was delivered just really like sticks with you and the chaotic nature of that game too it's very dated i don't know if i would recommend anybody playing through it now but for me being kind of an older guy who's at the stage of my gaming where i don't mind playing a title just to appreciate where it stands in terms of the history of video games uh, that was a cool experience to go through and touch on that as well. Well, uh, I just mentioned that I did take uh, Ghost of Tsushima for a spin, but um, my PlayStation 4 could not handle that disc because it is a day one PlayStation 4. And uh, I give it props. It's it's still it's still butting around. It's still kicking. But um, I after like basically. Uh, knocked my playstation into obscurity like for the fifth or sixth time i was like all right <laughs> i better ever put this one on the shelf for a while so maybe at some point i'll retouch on that game and hopefully uh i get a i i have a good experience i was gonna say i believe that's the one that you get a free copy of the ps5 one if you own the playstation 4 copy so might be worth looking into for you there very nice um, well, let's move it along, Plum. Uh, can can you you've been awfully awfully stoic over there? Um, 
I don't know if that's the uh, marijuana kicking in or if uh, you just don't have any any thoughts on Matt's game. But uh, why don't you share some of your own? Um, yeah, it's just mostly waiting to see if I get skipped like I did unceremoniously to you last week. Uh, okay, so this game has it. It's the last five of my list. Um, so number six and number 10 um, occupied by kind of one game thing is the Mass Effect Legendary. Uh, Mass Effect three is number six and 10 is number two. Um, I don't have the first one on my list. Um, it was not a- <laughs> We remember. <laughs> it's not a fun experience at all. Um, there was some parts at the end that I appreciated, but- um, I, I got though this, I don't think this was on the, the texted idea list, but, uh, and if it was and I missed it, I appreciate it or, um, I apologize. So Jack, at the end of Mass Effect three, where really two games worth of decisions have accumulated into this fine razor point of a plan to save the universe. And you start off this mission. It's the last one. You, you get a chance to touch uh, base with all the people that matter to you in this game. And then you make a heroic push towards uh, stopping the bad guy. And at the end of it, the bad guy, which is a seven story mechanical squid looking thing that uh, uh, I'm pretty sure um, uses Christopher Nolan movie entrance sounds the bomb to like do anything in this game shoots a giant laser beam and wrecks everything. And the hero wakes up shredded, all of his armor gone, bleeding, possibly all your friends dead, possibly they all got away safely. Um, and you go up to the space station and you come across your lifelong pal and you're about to save the universe when this human comes in named the elusive man uh, tries to stop you and he's trying to merge himself to control the bad guys. And the whole time you, you're, you playing as a hero are trying to either convince him not to do it or call him a piece of shit. It just, that's the magic of this game. You could play it good or bad. And, and then you defeat him. And then you and your friend sit there exhausted, almost dead. And you think that you're about to win when nothing happens and your friend dies right next to you before you got to make this ultimate sacrifice and it to me that was my favorite moment in video games when i was playing through that it there was like all this emotional tension built up behind it you know and you knew that you're coming to the end of a character that you had played like three games worth of hours on so i think each run was about 40 hours for me non-completionist so i mean that's 120 hours attached to this character that i've been building up and it, it that's why it occupies two slots um three and two were both really good games that really reflect what it's like to make decisions and have those decisions pay off or hurt you or just affect the way the rest of the game goes. So uh, Mass Effect Legendary took up two slots. And then I wanna throw up Disco Elysium, which really hurt to not put it on my top five. Um, unfortunately, it was just a boon for video games for me. And I think Deathloop really kind of is the one that knocked it out. Had Deathloop not come, I think I could have seen Disco in, in my top five. And it's, 
just such a different game. It's beautiful. Um, I got done talking about how much I love how decisions make a difference. And in that game, your uh, decisions make a really big difference. And you can be whoever you want to be. You start off as a shell of a, a person and then you build it up and you build it up through the voices in your head. And it's like your pride talking to you or it's your cop sensibilities or your uh, drug addiction, you know? So it just really just varies between, you know, what you want to hear, you know, and what they have to say. So, and then Jack, I'll surprise you with one remnant from the ashes made my number nine. Um, uh, that's cool. You know, um, yeah. we had so many, um, because we didn't have like a rocket league or a battlefield this year. Um, it takes two was this amazing co-op experience that we both shared, but it's pretty, it's, it's relatively short. And therefore we had so many, um, smaller co-op moments together. Uh, that was, it was kind of a cool, uh, you know, it, it was, it was something different left and right that we were experiencing. Um, remnant didn't get quite that high up. I think I, I put it at like, uh, number uh number 12 is where i have remnant um and um for before before our listeners judge me too harshly i don't really watch tv uh i don't really books um i don't do social media i play a lot of video games and i played about 50 of them this year um so um some of my favorites um well Enter the uh, enter the dungeon. Uh, you heard me talk about that. Deathloop was my number ten game of the year. I had um, Subnautica, Below Zero, the sequel, Ratchet and Clank, the sequel, uh, at nine and eight, and then uh, Wonderful One Hundred and One. Talked about that. Um, but one game that really, uh, I mean, you can't make a sports game with that's not a sport that I don't love. And Knockout City did it again. Knockout City is my six, number six game of the year. You run around basically playing dodgeball, and it's it's dumb fun. Um, but I am just such a sucker for these games. Rocket League, Hokra. I mean, the list goes on and on. Pyre we talked about last week. Um, but really, those are all safe choices. And where this year was pretty damn special to me, is how the some of the really obscure ideas that didn't fully pull me in, but definitely kind of lit that creative spirit and just made me think about video games in a different way. Some games that didn't make my top 15 even, but Lovers in a Dangerous uh, Space Time, where you roll around in this silly-looking rainbow ship and fire at aliens. Uh, playing that with my daughter and Dave at our place was one of the best moments I had all year. Tetris effect, um, papers, please. Lucas Pope's uh, game about trying to get into uh, basically past border patrol. It's black and white. I, is it two bit? I don't know. Um, it's terrible visuals. It's an awful, everything about it is just an awful game, but it's, brilliant and uh really it was just a really cool loop um i had spider-man miles morales up like number 20 this year that game had tons of cool moments um overboard agatha christie meets choose your own adventure um 
so many cool games this year that I had a chance to play and so many different games. And that's, I think while my, like my top 10 is actually pretty weak this year, my gaming experience overall was just a lot of fun because there was just so many different ideas being tossed left and right at me that um, it really kind of broadened my horizons and um, a lot, a lot of fun this year. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to kind of um, do this podcast today about just all the different stuff we experienced in 2021. I'm glad uh, you feel that way. Cause honestly, that was one of the things I hoped we would get out of uh, doing this podcast experiment over this last year. And um, to me, I, I know personally, it, it has made me think more about what I'm dedicating my time to when I'm playing through a game. It's like, am I actually doing something that is just killing time, which certainly on occasion that comes up. I mean, I did play through zombie army four and uh, beat the game by myself. So um, on occasion, you just want to play something big and dumb and shoot stuff. But on many other occasions, there is thought behind why I'm selecting to play a certain game or like how I can rate this compared to others, because I've played enough video games where I can have an actual educated opinion on where I believe it ranks. And I think that we've really been touching on some really, a really interesting concept of that, where it's like, where is a triple A title or a game that has all the right polish? Like, where does that suffer? Like you just mentioned Miles Morales, Jack, and that's a perfect example of a game that technically on paper is pretty much perfect like from start to finish has brilliant visuals the controls are on point the gameplay you know elements are fantastic as super cool story beats but if you played enough games or you know particularly ones by the that particular studio you've been there done that it's like you do occasionally need to play something like a papers please or uh one of the ones that really blew me away very recently was um I played The Climb 2, which is a VR game. And it's super immersive. Like, I'm terrified of VR. Like, I'm a Luddite. I I think technology is going to be the end of us all. I I read a review about that game, and I got to say, I've I've tried quite a bit of VR. Um, It it is not. It it hasn't pulled me in, but The Climb sounds really freaking cool. I, I played the first game at Malcolm's Spot. Uh, who has a low ceiling so it was pretty fun to just like constantly be punching his <laughs> ceiling but that game is awesome and it, it you know that's the thing I love about VR I don't know how you if you have a VR set dope um, do you yeah I, I got my wife one for Christmas so um, and okay. it was really it's been an awesome experience very much in line with what Jack was saying uh, with experiencing games with somebody who doesn't normally play the ones I do. So um, are you, are you on steam? uh, Not just yet. It's, it's an Oculus. So I don't, it's a little more entailed with getting it looped in that way. I want to get you beat. I want to get you beat saber. I think it'll be a good household gift. Um, it, It, that game is great fun, bro. I'm serious. Especially if you throw yourself into it. So anyways, we're going off track. Uh, yeah, no, I, all I was going to say was the, <laughs> just the, the climb too was because I'm with you, Jack. Like to me, like VR hasn't really engrossed me. And, and I know you got really into Beat Saver Plum with the Platinum, but 
something about the climb game because it's such a straightforward experience of just scaling things and it really utilizes the vr to the best of its ability while also being removed enough from traditional gaming that i'm used to being so accustomed to picking up and going straight for achievements or whatever this is more i can actually just appreciate the experience of being put into this realm of where you look down and you feel a little something in your stomach or doing something like rock climbing which i probably would never do in my day-to-day life but I think is kind of cool and it's a neat way to experience it in that way. Well, one thing you, you said that um, I, I'm very happy you brought up was the fact that this pod does make us kind of jump onto different things that we wouldn't, wouldn't normally experience. Uh, I mean, the wonderful one one is the perfect example of that for me, a game I, I really enjoyed the hell out of, but just so far out of my wheelhouse. Um, and I think that's one of the, this pod is one of the reasons I played so many games this year is because I wanted to experience different things because there was a, um, there was the, you know, the carrot on the stick of being able to, when you find something really cool and interesting, you get to, you get to talk about it and um, share your experience. Whereas normally if you find something really cool, um, but very eclectic and kind of off the beaten path most people don't really want to hear about it um this kind of this kind of gave all of us a chance to talk about our mass effects shock about our just those weird games that um when you go to work people's eyes glaze over (laughs) so um yeah uh yeah i'll just take the opportunity as the end of 2021 thanks matt for making this happen for us because it has been a true pleasure um well thank you here's to many more with you guys cheers yeah cheers to that well enough of the um, positivity can we move on to the shittiest game of the year uh well shoot you know what i i just want to we we've already kind of touched base on it but this is couch co-op dave we've talked about it takes two talked about remnant did you have any other um couch co-op or co-op uh moments this year that really blew you away well knockout city was on that yeah all Um, right all right yeah yeah um i think you had a much deeper appreciation it uh than i did but i still really liked it and it was pretty enjoyable until we got behind the curve and then um it became pretty painful so uh mostly when you're a two stack versus a three stack uh it's it it can swing depending on your third sometimes you get a guy that carries both of us and then sometimes we're trying to drag a third with us so um either way that was great and uh we were here i actually enjoyed that game a lot um i don't know if you guys if anyone's played it to the hundreds of thousands of listeners we have um it, it it's not graphically the most impressive game but it's a great puzzle game in the sense that one person has access to one half of the information and the other player has the other half and you have to communicate what you're looking at or maybe what the objective is and there's just numerous stages to this kind of frankly creepy place um that you, you got to make your way to and then <laughs> the ending is fantastic only one of you gets out so um so once you solve the last puzzle which is a pretty dark um tale and uh the whole time this demon's approaching you so you're on a time time crunch to get this thing done uh 
once you're both inside this tunnel, it's kind of a, a race to the end to see who gets it. And I, I believe the first time we played it, I just started walking while Jack was like looking around being like, oh, this is cool. And then I like walked out and he got locked in. So, <laughs> that was a good so, moment. I was like, what? Uh, we got the platinum on it. So that means I had to take my turn next time. But um, yeah, no, that game was a lot of fun and surprisingly super chill to play. A, a modicum of horror to it, you know, that kind of keeps you on your toes, like a lot of weird um, images, a lot of weird sounds here and there. So, yeah. I'm glad you guys have the awesome couch co-op experience because really the extent of my couch co-op experience throughout this entire calendar year has been playing uh, half an hour of Neo 2 where I summoned a person uh, to come help me fight the first boss and he literally just appears and neither of us have mics so he just like <laughs> squatted a few times and then charged ahead and I just followed him <laughs> blindly and we went in we wrecked shit a universal on, sign of friendship and love <laughs> I was gonna say it's like it's like it was, on par with riding in an Uber where the guy doesn't say a damn word to me and I'm like five stars 25% tip fuck yeah same deal with my couch co-op experience i just want like just crouch a few times maybe drop me a healing item and just charge ahead and let's fuck shit up every single restaurant experience i've ever had just fill my water i love you <laughs> i know that's the best one where it's like it's like dude don't play effort out it's, it's not worth it here um well for me i i I kind of touched on this briefly before me and Dave played a ton of different uh, co-op games this year. Um, Far Cry five was a really stupid game, but it was stupid fun. Just, I mean, and it, it, it meant to be so, you know, it, they, they basically built a world that was meant to go around and have a lot of fun with your, with a buddy and weird crap happens you know a, a leopard's gonna attack you when you're low on health and you're gonna run around screaming like a little girl while your buddy tries to shoot it from afar uh you traverse you know over a broken bridge and one of you falls to your death um sometimes you jump in an airplane and all of a sudden you realize you don't know how to fly and the buddy's got to I, you know, Dave got to decide if he's going to jump out or not, because I don't know if it's, if it's worth trying to survive a 200 foot fall into the ocean, or if you got a parachute or you don't know, uh, but, but a lot of fun in that game. Um, but beyond that for, for true catch co-op experiences, I mentioned lovers in dangerous space time. Um, but what I didn't mention is a really damn cool experience. I had a game called Poyo Poyo where, um, I like match games, but it's not something I really touch upon too much. Uh, Super Puzzle Fighter is a favorite of mine, mostly because I just would whoop on Dave's pretty good. But Poyo Poyo, me and Kennedy started playing this game, my six-year-old daughter. And I intentionally did not look at any tips or spoilers in the game. And for the first week and a half, she was beating me more than I was beating her and I could not figure it out. Um, how did you get so good at Poyo Poyo? I don't know, when we got into the redwood, I was just like, I was putting them on top and somehow with each of them, they were like um, on top of that, each other. And I was like, just get, kicking your butt. A week and a half, a week and a half. 
and she is not. <laughs> not good job, Kennedy. Not a good winner. She's not a good loser either. She's my she's, champion. She's really bad at winning. I mean, she'll really stick it to you. I'm not going to coach her, but I will invest to make sure she she continues her uh, jack kicking butt so, skills. So um, this was this was the first game where Kennedy could compete with me, but we also played uh, Overcooked too, and um, I played Tetris Effect with my mother in law and had a blast. And she doesn't play video games. It was awesome. Uh, and finally, for Christmas, we scooped up Mario Kart Eight and a third controller. And me, my six-year-old, and my four-year-old are playing Mario Kart, a, a just seminal game in my video game uh, growth as a kid. I mean, I just going to my friend's house and playing that on the on the freshly minted N64 was just it was game changing. And so to play this with my daughters, it's been a blast. And yeah, uh, those are my co-op moments of the year uh plum i'm super jealous man you you got three friends that you love that you know are two friends that you that you love sitting next to you playing mario kart um i'm so jealous having fun you you need to get them competitive so um i'm gonna bring rolls of quarters and then you can make it a betting (laughs) game and then and then soon you you, you're gonna have like some real challenges on your hand shortly (laughs) um gentlemen let's uh let's move it on to our our next topic of tonight because i there's a couple things i wanted to go over and hey 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 play 50 games there's some real shit and um i want to hear it what was the worst gaming experience you had this year most disappointed just a game that you thought was going to be good and it turned out to be terrible or just a game that you were like, eh, I'll give it a chance. And it sucked. Let's hear it. What, what was it for 2021? Zombie army four <laughs> dead war. Oh my gosh. I love SPS FPS games. I love co-op games. This is both of them, but man, this, I am so tired of Nazis and I'm so tired of zombies and this game crunched both of them together. And I, I would say the only saving grace is that it's a pretty solid co-op moment. Um, but, you know, just I knew how damned this game was because on the first level we had left uh, matchmaking open. So this beast of a player just jumps in and starts wiping the map out before we can even get close to him, which he's already like two minutes ahead of us, just melting everything. So, um, yeah, man, I was just tired of the whole the band of heroes that are kind of charismatic freedom fighters slash zombie killers slash evil Nazi plan to take over the world. It's just so disappointing. I actually had a lot of fun playing that game, but that's because I was playing it with you, my friend. (laughs) Um, The reason why it sucks. There's no variety. There's no bosses. What kind of zombie game has no bosses? So yes, while I did enjoy that game, I fully endorse your endorsement. Worst game of the year. <laughs> if that's your worst game, you guys have been playing some good, decent stuff. Because I played a way worse zombie game on your recommendation, Jack. And that was the How to Survive Storm Warning Edition. <laughs> I recommended that? 
No, that was your choice for a demo demolition, and it was one of the worst games I've ever experienced. Demo demolition, that's different. (laughs) Well, no, the difference was was because I have the uh, PlayStation Now or whatnot, I could download it. It was it was available. So rather than just getting the demo, I actually just took on the game, and oh my god, it was terrible. Like everything about it was frustrating, and the fact that it's a game being made and you know pretty recently i don't know if it came out this year per se but all i know is it's come out in this era and you can still get locked into a save where you're pretty much killed the second you you uh load up your game like that to me was just absolute crap so i hated everything about that uh but i also knew that was probably going to be a bad game i would say actually my most disappointing uh, title that I played that I thought was going to be decent was Star Wars Squadron. Um, I'm a big fan of of flight games and com- space combat in general, and uh, this game just did nothing for me. Like I felt very dated. It reminded me of like a really bad version of like the old Wing Commander games, which normally I'd be all about, but. Again, it's like I've played enough games where it's like, this isn't impressive. You just have a license attached to it that people are going to gravitate towards. I've heard that the VR element to it, some people play it that way and that they get really into it. But I'd be willing to bet that Ace Combat is still far superior. So uh, yeah, it just really disappointed me. I lost interest uh, within a few days. And normally I'm pretty good about being able to deal with you know a grind here or there. And this one just offered nothing for me. Well, um, my most disappointing game of the year uh, made my top 10. Uh, Subnautica, below zero. And I don't really have anything negative to say about this game. It just, the first one absolutely captivated me and brought me into this world. And I finished Subnautica, below zero, got the platinum, but it just felt grindy to me in a way that the first one never did. And I think it has a lot more to do with just the same, same experience that over and over again, the three of us touch upon in this pod. I guess where it really kind of surprised me is um, I love these underwater worlds. I think they're beautiful and I get so involved in them. And the fact that I had this brand new toy, the PlayStation five, that was really going to showcase everything that Subnautica could do. I I think I just had too high of expectations going in. I I really kind of, I don't know why, but I thought it was going to be like one of my three favorite games of the year. And um, I had a lot of enjoyment out of it, but um, compared, compared to what I, what I thought it was going to be um, it it was definitely a a letdown. Um, Worst game of the year. I got to bring this up because it made so many, it made so many game of the year lists a couple of years back. And that was Goose Game. Heavily repped. I saw it over and over again. Top five, best game of the year. Wow. I played this game with my daughter. I was bored to tears. And she really liked it, which made it worse because I didn't want to play it anymore. She kept making me play it. The puzzles were so bad. Everything was so bad. All you do is quack. Sure, I'm going to anger some people with this uh, this hot take, but um, but that was my worst game of the year. Um, so we uh, we play 
a lot of um a lot of games did you guys revisit any games from previous years where like you just couldn't let it go yeah monster hunter world yeah baby yeah i just uh i I felt the itch um uh so this was on ps4 so i haven't played it on ps5 yet um actually i did a little bit i i tried in a drunken immensely drunken state um jack allowed me to download it onto his ps5 to show him like the first five minutes and it's not it's not nearly as cool as what my save would have been so we ended up deleting it but this was a just hilarious experience for me because we're both drunk as shit Blummer's just waxing poetic about monster hunter and all the things all the reasons it's amazing and just basically like twist my arm i, I would basically sacrilege just to stop him from downloading it onto my playstation at this point because it's free and he gets on there and he gets into this fight and he's just talking about all the ways it's amazing i'm just staring at like oh jesus <laughs> this is awful <laughs> and i have a lot of respect for that game because everything i read about it it just it just but but sitting there after like 12 tequilas was was pretty rough. Yeah, um, he, 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 I, I couldn't show him the good boss fight stuff, which he would have been. I'm sure that into. was it. I'm, I'm sure that's, that's why uh, I, I did not. I absolutely it. believe that's why it is. But uh, um, I, I also, um, so Monster Hunter World was one and uh, well, these games are pertained to this year, but usually when I'm kind of finished with the game, I stop playing it. But Hades, I got the plan I'm on. Um, I still love to pop that on if I got a quick 30 minutes to get into something. Um, I'm going through Disco Elysium. I want to get the plot on it. So it's time to time to start working on that after Last of Us 2 um, and Slay the Spire, uh, which I started in 2020. And it's still a game that um, it's so easy to download. It's so quick. And then it's a game where six hours disappears really quick, you know, once you kind of feel like you're starting to get the hang of things. So um, those those are the games that are just always on my PlayStation right now. But um, yeah, Monster Hunter World, Matt, one day, <laughs> one day. So uh, in terms of games I revisit, I went back after probably the 20th update, it seems, um, Cyberpunk finally unlocked the one achievement i complained up and down that it was hindering me from having the 100 completion and they actually went through and fixed the bug so i went pick fired it up went through completed it so i get my 100 completion i didn't get the platinum but at least i could say that i did all the quests and everything to their credit i do appreciate that they continue to work on that game despite it being somewhat of a dumpster fire all things considered um i am curious to see what they do with that setting moving forward if they make a sequel or if they create a multiplayer environment with it um but yeah sadly it just wasn't that great um i i really want to see what the port over to the ps5 looks like um that that city i'm sorry the city itself is freaking gorgeous and the fact that you can climb all over it just makes it even more uh crazier but um yeah no i i agree wholeheartedly i mean that's the only reason i am intrigued that they continue to work on it because it does seem like that they're creating a template for something better in the future hopefully so um 
I don't know that I'll come in with the same enthusiasm that I had for it, but I do have to tip my cap to him after talking so, saying so many negative things about them throughout this past year. Um, it, it, I do have to give them credit for at least listening to all the bug reports and going through and actually tidying it up along the way. So uh, there's that one. And then last was too, as I mentioned last week, I picked it back up and I'm about probably right where plumber's at right now in it. Um, playing through it again in anticipation of getting to record a, a review of it with you gentlemen in 2022. And uh, also to see, you know, maybe there are aspects of it, like I mentioned last week, that maybe we're just the time and place in which I played through it that will make me view it differently in hindsight. But uh, ultimately, yeah, it's, I played through the first one as well. I'm, I'm like you, Dave, once I beat a game, I typically am done and I kind of pride myself on playing a wide array of games that way, rather than getting locked into a specific universe. But uh, for me, it was, I played through the first one multiple times and I'm happy to do it with the second one so I can have a full flushed out opinion on it. So uh, yeah, those were mine. Well, I played um, a game called Overcooked Two again, which me and which me and Dave got the platinum on last year, and I was one of my favorite games. It's last year, or the year before, I'm not sure. Either way, fantastic experience. And now I'm bringing my daughter Kennedy into it, and we're we're cooking up burgers. And uh, Kennedy, what do you think about that game? I like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've been having a lot of fun, um, and uh, she's doing pretty damn good. So that's been that's been a real cool couch co-op moment for me um beyond that i already kind of expressed at length my feelings towards revisiting the last of us so i won't go back on that check out a previous pod if you want to hear all about that game but finally um play the spire just what an incredible game can't get away from it which is why i not only rate it um i i i have it my number three game of the year if i'm being honest i have it above hades I played so much of this game this year. Hades, great game. Slay of Spire, number one last year, number three this year. It also falls into another category. Slay the Spire is my shit bucket game of the year. So many hours wasted. So much of my life just gone, disappeared. Family, not too proud of me. Work, probably could have gone better. Slay the Spire. Gentlemen, do you have these games in your life, these shit bucket games where you, you just sink so much time into them? Sometimes you hate yourself. In my experience, sometimes it's totally worth it. Uh, yeah, for, for me this year, not quite as intense as that, but uh, Hades. Um, like once that game really clicked with me, I remember just, 10 hours disappearing um it was so easy to just even today like I, I i'm building something but i'm not i don't really care if i make it through i want to see what i can do with it you know so i'm probably going to run it again because i didn't get a certain boon when i when i needed a, another hercules boon you know so um or zeus i'm sorry but um yeah no hades uh it's just so fun to be able to turn on for a quick run. Um, even though I know all the, the fights now and all that kind of stuff, it's still a challenge. So 
Yep, Hades so far has been my shit bucket of the year. I'm glad you mentioned that one, Plum, because even though we've said so many positive things about that game, it certainly does warrant acknowledging that it sucks a lot of your time, um, especially if you're going after that platinum. Like towards the end there, it gets pretty frustrating realizing how much extra time you're putting into just hoping and that you get that Hercules, you know, amulet or whatever, just to get that last little thing. So uh, that certainly warrants mentioning a uh, big one for me this past year was um, Horizon Zero Dawn, just because I did get the full platinum on that uh, minus the new game plus achievement. And, you know, again, at a certain point, you're just kind of doing, you know, just the fetch quests or the traversing all the same areas looking for that last little item. So um, super happy to have done it. Uh, but I can tell you after playing that and then jumping into Ghost of Tsushima shortly after that one, I was like, you know, I'm good without the hundred <laughs> percent just based off of already doing it once through with one game. I'm, I'm good doing it again for the calendar year, at least. Well, one thing going into this is I was kind of curious if Plummer really had a shit bucket game of the year, because that's something that kind of basically sums up his, his, his games. <laughs> Sorry. I'm being, I'm being a, uh, dismissive of his wonderful, uh, cat, uh, looter, looter shooters, but no, um, <laughs> something that really stood out to me this year was that you really didn't have like that game that just dominated your your play you're playing and let me ask you was there like anything that that changed about your game style was there a, was there something that really kind of stood out about this year that was different than years past a theme or well i went and looked up each year um 21 20 and 19 and how many games i played in them so 21 i played 22 games in 20, I played 21 games. In 19, I played 19 games. So I, I don't think I'm really shifting too much. I mean, it's a variance of three, but you have a point. I don't have that Monster Hunter or Battlefield 1 where I think between both of those games, I have close to 5,000 hours logged in, you know. Um, and when I say Hades is my shit bucket game of the year, um, that's still not the same amount of time I put into both Monster Hunter World and Battlefield 1 or, or even like Skyrim or uh, Fallout 4. And I think that was a big thing. I didn't really get attached to a game that really required that kind of dedication to time. You know, um, I, don't, I don't think too many of the games I have were really fetch questy. I mean, I could have done that with uh, Mass Effect, but honestly, I really... I, I I just couldn't see myself doing that three games in a row, going through and getting the plat on all of them. I might go back and try to touch up on them because I got a good portion of it done. But um, yeah, it, it's just it's just one of those things where I think every the last two or three years I had a game that purely dominated a good chunk of my time, and then I just kind of played something on the side. And it's just been so spread out this year. And I think a lot of it is the pandemic. I was locked in and then I started work halfway through the year and it's just been for the most part, super busy. So um, Hades was a game I picked up, I believe when I started work. So, I mean, it, it lasted really well for me because I could play in between those busy times. Welcome 
to the world of full-time employment, Dave. <laughs> I'm glad you have joined us. <laughs> if you guys could see my face. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have like that Fallout 4 or Skyrim or Monster Hunter or Battlefield 1 this year. That doesn't say that the games that I enjoy and are in my top three aren't any uh, less bad than they are. It's just, I think, uh, some things changed in my life that really kind of forced me to shift how much I invest into a game around. Um, I, I did get a triple plot this year with uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, uh, Ratchet and Clank, and Deathloop. I, I set all the trophies up so that I could go in and within a an eight hour period, I knew I could pop all the trophies I needed to get them all. And for the most part, I was pretty successful at getting them all, all pretty efficient. But um, a lot of platinums I get can be super grindy, you know, and those weren't the most grindiest. Uh, Hades, kind of the grindiest, but it was fun. You know, it was fun going up to uh, a super high heat and being able to smash it out because you knew what you're doing with your favorite weapon. So yeah well um i i think that's a great point is that the less time you have less spare time you have the more you move away from these games that consume you i think back all my favorite games from 10 to 20 years ago madden nba 2k starcraft 2 these games that you could just sink hundreds and hundreds thousands of hours into even um and once that free time is eliminated you just become way more selective about how you spend it and while it kind of robs you of those fully consuming experiences it also opens up a whole new world of all these smaller um engines mechanics uh, game styles stories uh, all these things that makes video games really special that that i don't think we would have a a very um interesting podcast if we didn't kind of jump towards this direction. Um, and I do say interesting, uh, fully realizing that Matt's grin right now is, is chock full of our 12 viewers probably rolling their eyes. But um, but yeah, um, thanks for sharing a little bit about your experiences here, Plum. Um, I, I'll jump in before Matt and, and I, I, I'm excited to talk about this because for me, this was the year of love, the year of chemistry, and um that's because i've never experienced this uh before in video games where i really got into characters and how they interact together and i don't know if maybe this is a sign of how technology is kind of getting to a point where to me it's believable where in the past it wasn't but um from days gone to the last of us two um i just had these incredible experiences with um relationships where i actually was like invested like i would be into a tv show or a movie and it was like oh I, I i like these people i want them to succeed as a couple it's just a really weird thing for me to say about video games um and on the flip side i played a game called overboard where you murder your husband and end up sleeping with uh the person who is uh you have a uh a uh, adulterous liaison with and you're trying to cover up your murder with um but it still had real charisma and and these characters still had this vibe that was just a lot of fun um it was i mean it takes two where you're basically the whole game is built around 
me and my hombre trying to repair our relationship so that we could salvage uh our our daughter's uh you know our daughter's uh experience our daughter's childhood um over and over again i just kept seeing this theme of love uh this year and it was really cool uh because it's so different from what i've experienced in the past where the most romantic thing i've experienced is a uh is a your girlfriend Catherine chasing you down with a fork as you try and pull out blocks and build upwards. And so, um, yeah, anyway, that, that was my 2021. Uh, real quick, gentlemen, I do want to get this out there. Um, I have to acknowledge, uh, my favorite boss fight of the year. Um, if I, I think there's only one answer for this and I'll be curious to see if you guys agree with me, but Jurginga, the supreme overlord of the Geth Jerk Federation was just an incredible experience through and through. Yeah, that was my favorite boss of the year. Mine and too. It was yeah. amazing. It was like an hour and a half long. Worth every second. Three every stages. Second. Three stages. The first stage, Machine World Jaginga. The second stage, Wonder Jaginga and the third stage planet destruction form Jaginga. That is an uh, epic boss fight. And it, it offered honestly one of my the funniest moments for me of the year as well with the uh, the quick time event where you have to tap the button to and all it says is press A to save the world. <laughs> and the characters are doing it too. You know, it's like I've never had stuff. those at stake. Like I've played like the Metal Gear games where you're like fighting off being tortured or something like that. But this one just flat out says like save the planet Earth, press A. <laughs> and and Wonder Red's like elongated like send off speech that ends up almost screwing it all up <laughs> until you it at the perfect moment. No, uh, that's spectacular. If, if they captured in that the hour and a half in a bottle and just poured it all over the next Avengers movie, it's over. I, I was going to say, like, I tend to agree with a lot of what Jack has said on this. I know, Dave, you consider this your number two game of the year. I, I consider it in my top 10 for sure. But um, there were components of it I found a bit frustrating, but that last hour and a half makes up for every second of it just because it is so good it is the it's best payoff to bring going through all of those frustrations of building those shapes. <laughs> like it's just such an incredible ending. And, and again, I can't say enough for the emotional tone of that game, despite being so over the top and so ridiculous. There are some story beats of it where it actually like touches your heart. I mean, even the Jorginho boss fight, like that moment when he like sees Luca and he has the flashback to his own childhood of seeing his dad. It was just like, wow, that is so, so deep for a game that is so, so stupid in so many ways. But it, it gets you and it keeps you involved and in, in all the way through. So fantastic boss fight. Well, speaking of keeping you involved, if our... Uh listeners have managed to stay involved throughout the longevity of this cast i give them my thanks um i got one more topic i want to bring up just to send us out on on the right note gentlemen we've got a whole year to experience video games what is the moment that made you laugh the loudest this year 
Matt, uh, I want to hear Matt's first because I have a feeling me and Dave might have the same moment. Uh, uh, so I played, I had a small cup of tea with a game called Judgment, which is built on the Sega Yakuza engine, which is really, you pretty much just run around in a block of a fictional area in Tokyo. And it's really founded on like, you can do a lot of things to experience it. But ultimately what always ends up happening is you get bonuses for eating food at every one of the restaurants. And we're talking like every single food item. And you also get bonuses for drinking alcohol, specifically every single alcoholic beverage. So you end up running into a every bar you encounter in this area and drinking your character to his maximum limit, which I believe is like seven to eight drinks. So he's just running around the city, like blind drunk, stuffing his face constantly at every place. But then you encounter these crazy missions. And there's one in particular where you're tracking down these three perverts. But it just made me laugh my ass off. It was like, this is so ridiculous. And on top of that, my main character has eight, eight shots of tequila in him and has eaten like three different rice bowls throughout the city. So he's just this fat, stinking drunk guy chasing around this like pervert runs at the speed of light yeah it, it just was such a goofy ridiculous thing to experience that yeah i have to acknowledge it well thank you for that matt that was uh <laughs> hopefully it doesn't hit the editing room floor when you when you rekindle <laughs> this podcast pod listen <laughs> uh dave i'm i'm very curious because uh i have a feeling we might have some some similarities uh, uh, mine is from the game, my game of the year, it takes two, and it is the squirrel interrogation scene. <laughs> where, so I, I believe this is like, if I remember, and we played this at the beginning of the year, so I probably forgot. Uh, but I think this takes place right outside the kind of first tutorial level. It, it's where you kind of branch out and you, you go inside, you get on this tree and um, you're trying to get inside of it and finally you get inside and there's this squirrel civilization that's militarized and they think that you're a spy sent by the wasps to go get them and it's just like this super obnoxious and ridiculous scene that's already like you start this game up and you know it's going to be in this fantastical world but you don't expect a war between wasps and squirrels in the same tree and them worrying about spy craft and then also trying to possibly torture you. And it's not until you agree to help them out, you convince them that you're not working with the wasp, that they give you weapons to go, go after the wasp with. And then uh, by the end of getting out of the tree level, uh, you're fighting the squirrel general on the plane. That's where the game kind of turns into this quick, like little uh, fighting game but that scene just had me cracking up when i first saw it it's like what what's going on and then you see these squirrels and they're like did the wasp send you and you're just like what the <laughs> fuck so um, um well i'm really excited because that's the game my funniest moment uh came through but it wasn't the moment and that just shows you what a fucked up game it takes to us I played The Last of Us 2. I played Days Gone. I played Hades where you try and escape from hell. But the most twisted, demented moment of the year was the experience I had when you have to disassemble 
your daughter's stuffed animal elephant, Cutie the elephant. I forgot about that. All in an attempt to make your daughter cry so you can harvest her tears <laughs> out of a magical wasteland. It is begging you to stop the whole time, too. <laughs> this scene is highly controversial. You go on Reddit, and there's so many people bitching about how it ruined the game for them. Literally ruined the game. And all I did was for four minutes laugh hysterically as you pull the eyeball off your daughter's stuffed animal as it begs in a child's voice for mercy. And then you toss it off the table to its death as it screams. And I laughed the whole damn time. It was so outrageous and over the top and everything that I love about just spectacle. Not afraid to be ridiculous and offensive in just a really zany, cruel and hilarious way. And the fact that I got to experience that uh, with my couch co-op, Ombre Dave, just made it all the more spectacular. And um, I think that's the perfect place to leave off this podcast because uh, couch co-op, um, we have these amazing moments that whether it's just talking about them on the mic or when you walk into work and you're going over it with a buddy, um, video games can take you to places that no other medium can and there's no other medium that would have pulled off dismantling a stuffed elephant uh the way they did in it takes two and um yeah uh to here's to another year gentlemen uh thanks very much for being part of couch co-op a video game podcast we'll see you in 2022 cheers